This is the Power to Podcast, show 81, Summer PD Series number eight. Learned about trauma-informed school. So that means part of my job now is that if you have something that's, that's getting in your way of learning and you need some help with that, I'm here to help you because we can't get the learning done until we get that straight. And, and I'm here to help you with that, not just be an expert on English or whatever my, my discipline might be. So on that, Lee, one thing that I, I always talk to my, my crew about is I have two jobs. One of them is to teach you and one of them is to protect you. Welcome to a real-world education with insight and advice from teachers in the game, where current and former educators reveal what truly sets apart the great teachers and what it takes to make a positive impact on students. Whether you're in pre-service learning, new to the game, or a seasoned veteran, this is the show for you. You'll leave feeling inspired to take action because we are powering education by empowering you. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Ken Ehrman, host of the Power to Podcast, and I am here with my multiple, multiple guest co-hosts tonight, Mr. Matt, the Million Dollar Man Rogers, Mr. Mike, the Cruise Captain Creed, and Mr. Lee, does it all Carlson. Gentlemen, welcome tonight. I am super happy to continue this conversation and continue our first annual summer PD series that we're trying out here. So we have Mike, who is on show two with us, and Lee, who is on show 12. And if this is the first time you are listening to our podcast, just know that this is a little bit of a different format that we're doing here this summer, where we are diving deep on a specific professional development topic to hopefully give you some deep insight on the topics and the ideas for you to take back to your classroom. Typically, every week, we interview amazing teachers, and we learn about their stories, their passions, and what makes their classrooms and their and their positions truly special. Like I said, we interviewed both of these gentlemen uh, on previous shows, which we will link up in our show notes page. So to kick things off, we're all just going to introduce ourselves, and then we're going to jump right into this topic. So I am Ken Ehrman. I am a former fifth grade teacher, former elementary STEM teacher, and I now work as a secondary instructional coach. Matt, why don't you jump on in here? All right. My name is Matt Rogers. I'm a fourth grade teacher. I was a fourth and fifth grade learning support teacher for about five years before that. So um, yeah, that's that's about me. Um, Mike, why don't we go to you next? All right. So I'm Mike Creed. I am currently a kindergarten teacher. Uh, prior to that, I was a second grade teacher and a STEM special and actually just cleared the board minutes. Um, next year, I will be third grade uh, teaching back in the classroom. So, yeah, Lee, what are you? What are you up to? Hey, everybody. I'm Lee Carlson. I'm currently teaching in Wyndham High School. Oh, wait a second. Today was our last day of school, <laughs> so I'll be back again uh, teaching in in uh, September. But uh, I actually I got a week off, then I'll be doing summer school. But this is my uh, finished my thirty fourth year. So uh, my wife is a fifth grade teacher in St. James, Minnesota, where we live. My uh, oldest son is a FIA teacher at Mankato Loyola. And my youngest son is uh, right now a uh, freshman, finished his freshman year. He's going to be a FIA teacher. My daughter just finished teaching uh, reading with the Reading Corps uh, preschool. So we have uh, quite a bit of education going around in our household. Teaching through and through in that family. I love it. And I love how 
you're recording with us on your first official time on summer break, but you're already going back there. So gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Uh, Matt is always with me every week as our co-host and Mike and Lee will be joining us as our co-host tonight. So we're going to do our best to, to make it feel like they are not guests like they were their previous time, but they are a part of this conversation, um, leading this conversation. So we're going to we're going to jump into classroom communities and how you build a strong, cohesive, positive classroom community uh, with your students from the beginning of the year and maintaining it throughout the year. And we really want to dive deep into this topic and take it beyond just the typical, it's important to form relationships with your students. I'm not devaluing that, but it's there's something more to it. There's a, there's a lot more we can bring to this conversation and ideas that we can we can send you off with so you can develop this into your own classroom. So let's start off super simple. Uh, Mike, we'll go with you first, and then we'll and then we'll go to Lee and Matt. You can you can round this out. Just what do you do on day one? What is the thing that you do to establish any type of classroom community on that first day that you feel like truly sets a tone for success from every day after that? So one thing that I do on day one is I bring up actually a, a Google Doc, <clears throat> which might seem pretty basic, but I bring up a Google Doc. And on that Google Doc has a list of every student that I've taught because they are Creed's crew. And I add the new class to that list because on day one, once a crew, always a crew. And so they get that. You become part of Creed's crew. So we, we sit there, we go over that. We talk about what those other students who were in the class before them and laid the groundwork to be a crew member, what they did in order to do that and what those things look like and what their expectations are for that next class. I also have videos and things from my former crew members who are now juniors and sophomores in high school. And we'll even take looks at, at that and get some ideas and some, some ideas just to bring them in to let them know that they're in something that's bigger than those four walls that we're in currently, that those walls stretch out for, you know, across states and, and all sorts of areas. So that's what we do on our very first day. Um, yeah. Lee, do you want to come up next? Yeah, I really like that, Mike. Um, sure. Um, uh, it kind of tied into what uh, what I try and do too is one thing I do is we have these pennants. They're about uh, a third of a paper. There's kind of they're like small pennants, and I uh, I cut them up, give one to each student, and tell them to put their name on there, uh, really big. And they can they give them. I got crayons and color pencils and stuff, and they get some time to design that uh, any way they want. And then it, they get to figure out where they want to put it on the wall. And so I've got the past the pennants of past students in there too. And if they're in, I have tenth graders and seniors, so. They come back as seniors. They're looking for their pendant up there, and they can either put and make a new one or put it over the top, whatever they want to do. Um, the one freshman that came in this year, he looked up and he was actually sitting right under his sister's pendant. He took a picture and sent it to her and said she started crying. Um, so you know, I think that that's not only does that show them that they have a place in my classroom and that I want to hold on to that, and I don't just rip them off and throw them away when when they're done that year. Um, I also watch how they do that. You know. Some of the kids are the quietest, have the loudest pennants. Uh, and you can see kids that are really creative. And you can see kids that, that later on you can say, hey, you know, look at that. Or give somebody else, you know, I'm not sure what to do. Well, look at what she did and, and give them a little bit of status within the classroom without having them, them having to say a word. Um, the other thing that, that I did this year, though, is, and I try and do this, too, is, is give the kids a reason to believe that I'm there to, to help them. Right. And, and we did trauma-informed training before school. 
Uh, I had a pair in my room who commented to me afterwards because I told the kids last week uh, we were here in the classroom. We were working or in the school. We're working hard to get ready for you guys. One of the things we did, we learned about trauma-informed school. So that means part of my job now is that if you have something that's that's getting in your way of learning and you need some help with that, I'm here to help you because we can't get the learning done until we get that straight. And and I'm here to help you with that, not just be an expert on English or whatever my my discipline might be. Uh, and and the para said that he didn't hear that in other classrooms. And I just thought that's that's to me, that was an automatic that I needed to tell my kids that if if I want them to step up and say they need help, they're going to be a lot more likely to do that when a teacher is accountable and says part of my job, hey, I want to help you. But if you're waiting for your kid to come up, that's a lot less likely to happen. So sometimes it's something that happened the week before with our, our uh, workshop days. Sometimes uh, the big focus is on those pennants, like I said, depends a little bit on what, what if I have seniors that I had before, or if I have 10th graders that are new. So on that, Lee, one thing that I, I always talk to my, my crew about is I have two jobs. One of them is to teach you and one of them is to protect you. And that is my rule all the way across. And I tell them, I, will pro I promise I will do that every day as much as I possibly can, is teach you and to protect you. And so, again, when that kind of goes into some days, we're going to have bad days. And I'm going to look at them and say, hey, I've got two jobs. All right. And, and it goes both ways. I tell them that they have to teach me and to protect me, too. So when we do different things, it's like, no, oh, you guys got to keep me safe as well. Um, so, so building off of that, where you're talking about the trauma-informed classroom and things, that's, I, I find that to be super, super helpful. Go ahead, Matt. So I know, like, on my end, I feel like a big thing is to identify as much information our, on our end as possible to, you know, kind of see who your leaders are, who's going to be the followers. And for years, I used to do a variety of different, you know, design challenges to see who would kind of step up on those first, you know, day or afterwards. And I found out, I don't know if you guys have this experience, that at least with my nine and 10 year olds, they're nine at that point, most of them, um, they're not quite ready. They, they just need to know where their spaces are and they need to know um, what, is around them, what is allowed, what isn't allowed, and those features. So I found myself, you know, almost stepping back from the creative, you know, hey, I can see within five minutes, we're tearing something apart and trying to see how you can put it back together. Um, we're waiting, you know, an hour in and we're kind of setting those guidelines and we're doing those traditional practices. And then, you know, they go to special and they come back and you just out of nowhere, just get them and, you know, stump them and you're just processing all that information. And then the main thing is, you know, I, I tend to make mistakes on purpose, sometimes not on purpose, but whenever you can, especially early on, um, I don't know, using it through humor to self-deprecating humor, but just an element of recognizing that it's okay to, to experiment and try and just set this ground rules that, you're not going to be perfect and you're not going to, you know, have a banner day every single day. Um, how do you handle yourselves? And, and it's okay to be in that realm. Now, unfortunately, Ken, I think we should just skip you because we've heard about your first day technique over and over again, but I guess you can brief them pretty quickly. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Well, I would say my, my approach is very opposite to what you just said in terms of 
creating organization and structure because mine is chaos when I don't have the room set up and you know we spend that first week designing the room. But like you said, I've, I've told that story before um, and we'll, we'll link to the that show on our show notes page. But I would say the thing I haven't really talked about is similar to what you guys have said on that first day of school. The first thing I say to them is that, you know, we're all on a team. We're all in this together, 180 days. And every day after that, I am your teacher forever. And I will do whatever I have to do to make you feel safe, make you feel welcomed. It is our job to treat each other with respect. It is our job to to make everyone in this classroom feel as welcome as possible. Will you disagree with each other at times? Yes. Will you be all, all be friends? No. But we will all respect each other. And I said, no matter what, just know, no, anywhere you are, I always have your back. If anything is happening anywhere on the school or anywhere outside of school, you get me and I have your back. And I will never forget a moment, probably halfway, three quarters of the way through the year, one of uh, the girls in my class was having a lot of social problems with girls in the other classes. And she uh, came up to me. She said, Mr. Herman, I need to talk to you in the hallway right now. And I said, I forget, I, I probably responded with like, can we you know, do it in five minutes or something along those lines? And she said, you told me you would always have my back. I need your back right now. I need to talk to you in the hallway right now. And so I dropped what I did and, and we talked and you know, spent the rest of the day trying to, to sort out the, the fifth grade drama going on. But you know, I, in that moment, that was I think my second or third year, I realized that it didn't feel like they were hearing that message because it's just a lot of blank stares just like nodding their head at you because they don't really know who you are yet. But clearly that message at least got through to one student. And so I just, I found it fascinating. You know, for those of you that, that listen to the show, you know, this new listeners, we don't script anything. Even our conversation here, we have a couple of bullets planned out, but really nothing. Um, I found it fascinating how Mike's answer and Lee's answer was almost identical in the sense that you all, you had everybody's names, you were adding the names into it. You did it in a different style. And I, I feel like I could see Mike's wheels turning, thinking, can I get a pennant from every kid I've had before so I can hang them in my room? <laughs> I, I, I felt like I saw those wheels turning, but I just, I love how you are welcoming them into something that is bigger than the, the 30, the 25, the 22, however many students are in front of you at, at that time. I just, I found that so fascinating. So moving past day one, you know, how, how do you find time to constantly revisit the idea of classroom community? What are things that you are doing on the second day, on the 20th day, on the 120th day that re-solidifies that classroom community? Is it in the beginning of your class? Is it random? Is it planned? What are things that you are doing that you know constantly restructure and reinforce that classroom community that you established that first day? Well, uh, one thing that I started this year is we start out with uh, trivia a lot of times. And usually I try and, and connect it to a theme that we have in the story, perhaps. But, um, you know, we talk about illusions and we talk about, well, kids nowadays don't know this. They, they're, we talk about growth. I, I mean, I, I'm growth mindset in my classroom, too. So this is a great way to start to say, hey, you're not supposed to know this. What's the best guess you can come up with? Hey, now you know it. Right. And, and so um, they've really taken into that and they ask for it if I forget. Um, so the other thing that um, I noticed, too, this year I started. With I kind of did it with uh, I coached track, so I had shot putting discus throwers, and I kind of started with there. But I brought it into the classroom this year, and with my it was with my college literature class. It's called Good Day, Bad Day, 
So one person just looks at another person and says, hey, Bob, good day, bad day. And Bob will say, you know, it's a good day. And then that person will say, why? Well, it's a good day because, or they might say it's a bad day. And so everybody in the classroom goes around and, and you know, um, some kids kind of have like a little shtick that they build on every day. Well, it's a good day because, and everybody's, you know, waiting for what's the new little twist they're going to put on today. But they also learn that it's okay to have a bad day. And if you do have a bad day, everybody's listening to you um, and people care. And if you have a good day, people are clapping. Uh, and, you know, I, I kind of led the first one, but somebody will say now, they'll go, hey, can we do a good day? I'm like, go ahead. And they just take off with it. Um, so, you know, that's a college class. And, and I noticed, too, when I did my, my uh, final essay, they have some portion there that's kind of reflective. They can share stuff with me. And one of, the, one of the responses was, you know, this was the only college class where we did stuff together. We actually worked together on different things. And I, I thought for these kids that have been through the last couple of years, uh, when high school is supposed to be this amazing, you know, uh, all kinds of good times, best years of your life, yada, yada. They, they've had some rough, rough couple of years. So I think uh, I think that was that was maybe part of why they took to it. But I'm definitely going to keep doing that with my with my students. To jump in next, you know. I don't know, maybe all all four of us have this feeling, you know, I feel like there's a an element of when we buy in to the message, it allows the kids to buy in. And I find myself uh, making an absolute fool of myself any opportunity outside of my classroom. It's a little bit different in my classroom and I can set the ground rules of, hey, when we're here, we are here for instruction. But we try, you know, if we're raising cans for a food drive, if we are trying to read as many books as possible as a grade level, like I am obnoxiously, obnoxiously like trying to be the the winner, you know, let other grade levels know, let other teachers know, and they just know that I'm competitive and it's all a stick and we make a big deal if they win too. We try to be good sports, but I find my kids pulling into, you know, our classroom being a special place when we are trying to portray ourselves as a special place outside of just uh, the walls that we're doing our learning. So, so building off of that, Matt, when you talk about that, um, I, I always talk to my class about that we're in a fishbowl. And when people walk by the class, I, when you go to the aquarium, you see boring fish. You know, you see the little ones that swim by and you think that's a really boring fish. Like, I, I don't want to be that one. Instead, I want to be the shark. I want to be the, you know, the octopus, that one that everybody goes, oh, look at that one. I want people when they walk by the classroom to go, oh, and they want to push their face up against the glass and, and come into the class because they're missing out. And so I always tell the, the, the crew, like, hey, look, this, we're doing something different in here. And every so often I'll have, oh, like right now, I'm, I'm, I'm kindergarten right now. And every day when we were doing things with math, hey, somebody close the door real quick. I'm going to teach you something that second grade is learning. But we got to have the door closed because I don't want the principal to hear us. And they, they kind of get that buy-in that, oh, we're doing something different in here. That other class across the hall, they're another kindergarten class. They're learning kindergarten stuff. We're not learning kindergarten stuff. We're learning second grade stuff. It's a kindergarten question that I'm asking them. But when you phrase it in that way, all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, okay. You know, and they're sneaking and they're writing on their whiteboard. And I tell them to write it real small in the corner. That way, in case the principal comes by, he can't see it. And, okay, show it to me. Oh, okay, cool. Mm, all right. Now let's go back. Let's see how we do there. And watching them, again, get that buy-in, that the idea of, wait, this is different. 
I want to, I want to be a part of this. When, when, you know, Mr. Creed asked us to do something, we can do that because we already did second grade math. We're only in kindergarten and we just did, you know, second grade stuff. And so just getting that buy-in and having them go, Oh, this is, again, this is something different. This is something that, that we want to, we want to show off our skills. And I tell them when we're in line, cause we line up every day next to the other kindergarten class. I say, Creed's crew line, show it. And that idea is we're showing off that we can do this. Watch, you know, and you get 25 kindergartners that are all of a sudden in a nice straight line and they're looking at the other class like, huh, yeah, that'll work. that's the way we do it. And they, they get that buy-in that it's something different. Um, I also just so happen to have a student that I've never taught at this school that I'm in right now, but there's one student down the hall who's a retired crew member because his family moved. And so I went and got him the one day and was like, hey, show them your, your computer. And he came walking in and he showed him his computer and it had the Creed's crew symbol on it. And they all went, oh, you're one of us? You know, and that's a kindergartner talking to a third grader and having that, oh, okay. You know, and, I, and I've talked to him. I had to talk to him the other day because we were having a, kind of a rough day. And I said, hey, if I go and get that crew member in third grade, what's he going to say if I bring him down here right now? Oh. He's not going to be happy with the way we're acting. Yeah. Yeah. And you're walking around with crew stickers too. So make sure that we're, you know, we're raising our bar as far as that goes. That's how, you know, adding to those extra days. Um, that That's the way I, I kind of have it is just that, no, this is where we're at. I think, I think what I want to add to that is, is what I always found important. And, and you all painted that picture is it's important to be very, um, explicit about it and to make time for it and to be very deliberate in building time. It doesn't have to be a whole lesson. It doesn't have to be a, a huge time suck. Like you said, Lee, you know, now, now that you've rolled out the good day, bad day, you can fly through that fast because the kids know the routine. They know what they know what it's about. It doesn't take much time from your classroom. You know, those comments like you're making, Mike, that's a, that's a five tech, 10 second conversation because it circles around an idea that builds throughout the entire year. So, you know, I used to do like on Fridays, I would try to do team building activities. And, you know, sometimes it would take up to like 20, 30 minutes. We would do it at the end of the day. And other times I could do it in three or five minutes, something fast, something simple that we've done before that they split up in the teams, they compete, there's a winner, I give them a piece of candy, they go home for the weekend. But it's little things where they're laughing together, they're yelling at each other, they're competing against each other, they're cheering, they're booing, they're doing all the things that are, are fun and competitive in a safe in a safe manner. So um, I don't want to drive and, and lead this conversation the whole night. So you know I'll kind of open this up to any of my co-hosts. Matt, you can jump in. What are what are you, what are other conversations we should be having about this topic? Well, I just I, I just want to add, and um, I, we've had this revelation through some conversations we've had recently about how teaching. And having this classroom community is seemingly more vulnerable and allowed to be more vulnerable these days, you know, even right before the pandemic, but obviously through the pandemic, recognizing everyone's going through something that, you know, I, Lee, similar to what a good day, bad day, I usually do too good and a one not so good. And you don't have to give oh not so good, but you at least have to come up with two good things from your weekend. Um, and it's an opportunity here, you know, we had to take my dog to the vet or my sister's having trouble here or everything that in a moment's notice I can recognize, do I need to get added support immediately for these kids or just pull them aside and continue the conversation. But I found myself 
and I've said this a few times on previous episodes, like I had grandparents pass away this year and, you know, what did I do? I had an opportunity to share because I felt like I needed to model that vulnerability and, you know, create an opportunity that I had been trying to show empathy all year to kids. And it was a a time for me to witness how well that hit home for kids. And, you know, before I would go to school with this like finely ironed shirt and pants that had no stains. And I got to this point recently that I, I realized it didn't matter. I just need to be myself and more authentic. And that hasn't backfired. Lee, I, I don't know. I'll go to you first about that. You know, being at that higher level, and I know, Ken, you've had older kids where, you know, vulnerability might be tough. Is that something that you have seen or, you know, a different take on how you can continue that conversation to show you're human? This uh, this is actually what I was going to talk about. Uh, so as what you said was a great lead in. I had a principal that told me, you know, don't share personal stuff with students. They'll use that against you. Um, and that school that I was at at that time, I was there four years and that's 20 some years ago. Now, um, those, those are the students that keep out of all the schools I've been at. Those are the students that keep in touch with me more than anybody. So I think that speaks a little bit to maybe the culture because your leader said the culture, the culture of that school might've been a little bit, Hey, we're here. We're teachers. You guys are students. You know, um, we're not going to share a whole lot. Just get your work done. Um, but I, I think that, that it's hard for me, the better I know, I always say the better I know a student, the more I can teach them, the, the more effectively I can teach them. So if I don't share anything, how are they going to share anything? And then how am I going to know how to best connect with them? You know, um, sometimes it's, it's really good stuff. When I made, uh, ended up in a country music video, guess what we did in class? We watched the country music video. He's like, Hey, you know, and that's not too bad a song. I'm like, yeah, hey, I just ended up in it. Um, yesterday or today I started out, um, I showed him my Twitter and we had some bad weather, right? So I put that up, uh, on the, on, t- uh, tweeted that out and here, a report, the forecast news, uh, excuse me, the weather person in Minneapolis said, please share any videos. So I, I sent that. And, uh, next thing you know, here's a message from the Nash, uh, the weather channel, right? I said, I'm famous now I've gone nationwide. And so I put that up and they're like, wow. And then somebody goes, You've got two likes, Mr. Carlson. And what is Android for Twitter? You know, so um, you, you take a little bit of risk, but, um, you know, if you, if you can't show that you trust them, uh, and again, like you said, model how to, how to take things and how to work through stuff, um, they're going to have a, a big uphill battle if they got to go figure that out on their own. So I think it's really important to share, share uh, you know, the good things. It's kind of like a good day, bad day. But, um, you know, if they... If they can't think that they know me, how are they going to trust me or believe that I really want to help them? So I think that's important. Yeah, I want to I want to jump in on that. Um, and then and Mike, you can follow up. You know, Lee, you were talking about exposing yourself and that country music story that you told reminded me a few years back when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I'll never forget. I, it was a time in my career where I was missing a little bit more time than I wanted to. Just like I was going to more conferences, I was constantly pulled for committees and. When they won the Super Bowl, I felt like I had missed a lot of school recently, and I I don't like doing that because my job is to be there with the kids. And the day that the Eagles parade was, I was already scheduled to be in a committee meeting the entire day, so I was already going to miss this school. So I told the kids like, "Hey, I've been on a part of this committee. I'm I'm going to miss the entire day already." I said, "However, 
I said, I'm blowing that meeting off and I'm going to the Eagles parade. And they thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then the day after I put on the, you know, the welcome board, like, wait till you find out like who I met and who I high fived. I was actually at the parade with you, Matt. Um, and you know, half my class, I would maybe not half, but pretty close to half. They could care less about the Eagles. They were not football fans. They didn't like, they didn't watch. I knew they didn't watch the Eagles. They didn't watch football, but they all were completely enthralled with the story because, you know, one, it was cool. The Eagles had never won the Super Bowl, but two, you know, how many of their teachers did they ever think would talk about blowing off a meeting to go to the parade and then, you know, share about their experience at the parade. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always matter what the story is or if it connects with student interest. That's a, a big piece that we want to bring into the classroom. But when you're talking about yourself, if it's just real and authentic and something just a little bit different and silly or stupid or, you know, just anything like that, they're, they're going to just buy in and latch onto that. And like you said, Lee, they trust you more and then, and then you can trust them more. So th this past year, uh, Lee, I don't know if everybody, um, I own a, I own a farm. And so when I just this past year really started doing a lot more with social media and we have a YouTube channel now. And so I put out a video every week. I have a full up and running website with all the animals that we have every uh, YouTube video that we put out. And honestly, I make it an option for the kids to go and check out during the course of the day. It's videos, it's kid safe videos. They sit there, they get such a kick out of it. And then when I sit down and I go, yeah, Norm the pig was out earlier. Oh, and the kids, you know, they buy into that. They love the, hearing the stories about the farm and that the ideas that come up and they, oh, okay. And we do, I, I put on a live chicken cam every school day and I put on, a, it's just a, a setup of a camera sitting out in the chicken pen. The kids, I put it up while they're doing their reading activities and they, they see that and they go, oh, what's that one's name or whatever. And, and suddenly I become we have chickens at my house, you know, and we start talking about that. And suddenly I'm learning more about them. They're seeing what we're doing. And the videos that I put up are, you know, goofy things. Either I, I messed up out here, I'm building something. And then they'll come and they'll tell me, I watched your video when I was at home too. And it's okay. Awesome. You're learning more about me. What, what do you, you know, do you have a dog at home? Do you have any cats? How many animals do you have? And we start building those relationships that way. And it, they get such a kick out of, Oh, you have how many subscribers on you? You know, we have, three almost 300 followers that's like amazing to them that oh my you're oh you're gonna go viral no no i'm not gonna make a dime off of this and it's just fun videos but but they get a chance to see that peek into my world they get to meet my kids through that they get to meet my wife through that um and then she's a teacher at the district as well at the middle school level so they'll meet her again in a couple of years but right now they get that oh yeah we saw mrs creed was on the video so getting a chance to make yourself put yourself out there i I absolutely love it and getting the chance to, to share that with the kids. So I think something that's, that's very different about um, Mike, Matt, and myself is as mostly elementary teachers, although I'm in secondary now as a coach, you know, we, for the most part, have the kids for the whole day, for the whole year. So it's kind of our show, our way for 180 days where Lee, you are one piece of their day for, I believe your block schedule. So I believe half the year you have them or the whole year. I'm not sure, but you know, you're one fraction of their, I have okay. them the whole year. So you're one fraction of, of their, of their schedule. So how do you feel, how do you feel the way you approach classroom community fits that? Do you feel that you're very contradictory to what you're, 
your other teachers are doing, or is it difficult for you to establish kind of your ways of, of building that classroom community if it doesn't kind of fit the mold and the trend of those other classes? This might not sound, sound the best, but I've never, ever worried about what anybody's doing in their classroom um, or what I should do because of what's happening in some other classroom or, or even care about what the administrator might think. Uh, I'm there to take care of those kids, and that's absolutely my number one priority, and there's no way, there's no way I could have done it this long if that wasn't. Kind of had a rough stretch this year, and uh, it just seemed like, no, that's, that's not what's happening in my classroom. And, uh, and for a little while, it was kind of frustrating. But um, it really, it really is about the kids, um, and that that's that's what carries me. So, so we come in, and I got to figure out what who they are today, right? Those those kids can change from one class to the next, or that same class can be different than the last time I had them. And you know, that's why being able to do some things at the beginning gives me a little bit of a temperature of what's going on too. Uh, and then sometimes we talk about that. Um, I think the other thing that's kind of running through this too is that. It isn't just me saying, hey, I'm in a country music video. Be quiet and watch this now. Um, no, I'm I'm listening to them. You know, whenever I share something, it's 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 that invitation for you guys to share something, too. And I think that's really something that kids appreciate today is somebody's willing to listen to them. I, mean, I remember I was probably seven years old. I remember the first time it seemed like some adults authentically wanted to hear what I had to say. And I could tell you who they were. I could tell you where I was at. That was that was like. You gotta be kidding me! Somebody that big wants to listen to little old me. So, uh, and not not that my kids are little in high school, but I think it's really important to them that somebody is willing to listen. So, um, when I when I share something, they know that that's not not just the end of discussion. Uh, give me some credit for that. No, that's that's a chance for them to to see how they can connect and so uh, questions they might have or comments that they might have. So, I think that's and I'm hearing that from you guys too that it's it's whatever you're doing is, is also giving you a chance. One thing that carried over from COVID, you know, that was our chance to reinvent stuff, right? I think a lot of people just went back to the same old, same old. But last year uh, where we were at, we, we had protocol, we had spacing, we had to wear masks, but we were in the school building pretty much the whole year. Uh, and they also said, try and get outside whenever you can. And my classroom was pretty close to an exit. So we, we would stop and we would step out. And we have 90 minute classes. So we need to step out. We need to take a break, right? And so... This year, I'm still doing that. And it's kind of funny because whenever we're outside and somebody comes by, like, what are you guys doing? Like, we have to give them this, this you know, explanation of this dynamic, mind-blowing educational connection that we have. They're just like, ah, oh, we're taking a break, you know. And if I didn't go outside and I said, hey, you guys step outside for a couple minutes, they would go outside and they would come back in. I know they would because they know they have to do that, you know, respect that in order to keep being able to do that. And they know it doesn't happen in other classrooms. But what else is happening is I've had conversations outside with kids that I know would never happen in the classroom, surrounded by other people. Um, and it's really helped me a lot get to know some of those students that probably aren't going to speak up in the classroom uh, or even just observing. Hey, it looks like, hey, people, we got four clicks today. You know, I'll look and see there's kind of four groups and they're like, oh, you know, and kind of get them to think about, you know, are you talking to the, the other people and you're all in the same class? Why do you come out here and talk to the same people you're sitting by in the classroom. So um, there's a lot that can be learned in those couple of minutes that I wouldn't be able to actually get to happen or, or be able to observe in a classroom. Mm. That's, I, I love that idea. And it's, you know, we, we hear all the time about the importance of brain breaks. So you're, you're leveraging that in such a positive way that that feeds into that, 
a community and, and talking about, you know, getting them to recognize the clicks, the who are they constantly talking to? And there's just something about being outside, taking walks, those different actions that make you naturally feel as a person so much more comfortable to have have those conversations. You know, I think that's I think that's super important that you're you're continuing to build that into into your day. Um, you know, so as we kind of wind wind things down here, what what are things we haven't talked about that you think teachers, new teachers, veteran teachers need to think about, remind themselves, or ideas we haven't considered that are essential in building and more importantly maintaining and growing those classroom communities? If you don't mind me jump in and then I'll, you know, turn it to you guys. I, I think one of the things, Ken, that we've learned is and something we've emphasized, and I know both Mike and Lee can attest to, is the time you put early on to share, you know, to build this community makes so much dividend throughout the school year. You know, if you spend all this time on the front end to really set the precedence. You know, you'll start off behind your grade level partners, but you're going to zoom right past because you're not going to have the same interruptions. And when Creed can say, hey, Creed's crew doesn't act this way, you know, there's a, a level of standard or, you know, Mr. Carlson says, you know, your sister was in this room and didn't do anything like this. You know, there is that continuity. And I just to say, you know, I feel like in the last few years, honestly, Ken, through we since we've started the podcast, I mean, we had Mike on the second episode and Lee on the twelfth. From those conversations, I was so much more purposeful this year. I was so much more purposeful with kids that I have right now that I can't wait to see what next year, you know, the traditional we have fifth and sixth grade in our building too. They would go the alternative way to avoid my room in future years because, you know, oh, I'm too cool for Mr. Rogers anymore and his silly outfits and whatever he's going to do. And I, I cannot wait. But I also went back to my kids that I had and showed care and I mentored like crazy this year. So pull that, you know, those aspects of why it's important. You know, Mike, I know you have plenty. Lee, I know you have plenty. But also, you know, what is that validation that you're also seeing? You're like, man, I'm so glad I did that because it led to this. So, so just the other day, again, I have kindergartners and I've only been, <clears throat> I've only been their teacher since March because of some different things that happened, uh, maternity, <clears throat> excuse me, maternity and some things like that. I was put into the classroom and about three weeks into it, you know, I, I felt like they were getting the idea behind the whole Creed's crew thing. I wasn't, you know, wasn't real sure again with their age group. I wasn't sure how, how hard to push on those things. And um, one day I had a student, I was working with another student within earshot and the student dropped his, his bag that was on the back of his chair and he dropped it and the kid next to him kind of giggled. And the kid who dropped it said, well, that's not a crew member thing to do. And I just was in the back, like I win. Yes. We've, you know, it's been three weeks and this, you know, five and six year old just said, well, that's not a crew member thing to do. And the kid went, oh, and he helped pick up the stuff. And I was like, they're okay. Awesome. They're buying into this. And I could get a little bit more of that. Hey, awesome. They're, they get the idea behind this, that we're, we're in this together. We're not doing this as, you know, 25 separate islands, but, but what, like, what are you doing laughing at me? That's not us. 
And and it was honest to goodness. I was like, well, I can go home. Like I I got it. They 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 figured that part out. Um, and and you know, seeing other other teachers that yeah, it's it's been tough. It's been rough. But knowing that you're there for the student and you're there to to make those connections and to to keep them safe because honestly it's it's a scary place you know and and letting them know that no you're here you're in these four walls i'm going to protect you i'm going to teach you we're going to have an awesome day you know sometimes yeah at home is not fun maybe maybe on the bus isn't fun maybe in the lunchroom isn't fun but when you walk into these four walls i got you and that that's the the most important part whether whether you learn you know eventually your multiplication tables or whatever that that's extra. I, I want you to feel like when you come here, you, you've got a place to be. Yeah, I I like that, Mike. And those kindergartners, they will they'll let you know, right? I mean, oh. that's authentic. If the uh, kindergartner does it, they're not. There's no agenda there, so that's good. Um, you know, I I when I talked about the listening part, I, I kind of thought that there was a really good example I had. I have some seniors, and this is probably February. And there was something that happened uh, actually at a school board meeting and it kind of bought, there was some, some girls in front of me, Latino girls uh, that, that I could tell were, were upset about it and they were talking about it. And I, and I just said, well, you know, tell me what you think. And I could see they were upset. And then we, we talked through some different things uh, and it wasn't like a whole class thing. They were kind of doing their stuff. And this was a couple minutes at the beginning of class. Well, that, that night I got an email from one of those girls that said, would you write a letter of recommendation for me to go to uh, Minnesota state Mankato? And I said, well, sure. I said, tell me what their criteria is. He goes, well, I'm, I'm not sure how that works. I've never asked for a letter before. And so the later on, the guidance counselor told me that that was the reason she asked for a letter because of that, that you know, four or five minute conversation we had. And now she's going to college when she wasn't going to go before. But it made her believe somebody somebody listened, wanted to listen to her and that she had something to say and gave her that what she needed to take that next step. So we never know. Um, sometimes they t- connect with what we're trying to teach that day. Sometimes it's just an important conversation. Uh, for me, the pr- purposeful thing uh, it's become more so over the years, I guess. It uh, wasn't the original intent. I, I have a TED Talk. And when I first did that, I'm like, well, you know, I, I will. I'll be able to retire early and, you know, I'll be on the nation, national wide, uh, nationwide circuit. But that didn't happen. You know, it's it's fine. But um, that's that's out there, you know. And uh, when I say that, the kids are kind of like, what? And and I don't push it or anything, but and some of them get interested and they tell somebody else. But what I say on that TED Talk, I have to follow through on that now. You know, I wouldn't want somebody to say, you know, I looked at your TED Talk and you said that this was important to you. And that's not what I see in your classroom. You know, I that's kind of my own words have kind of given me purpose. And when I think about the classroom, it'd be great if parents were coming in to volunteer. It would be great if. The kids say, how, how about we solve this ourselves? It'd be great if my administrator came in and said, that looks like a problem. Let me take care of it. But that doesn't happen. You know, you're the person in your classroom. You have to figure it out. And whatever you want to be the outcome, you have to figure out what are you going to do that's going to make that outcome happen in an effective way. You know, this year, too, it's my fourth year. So they test you. For, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're new at a school, they're going to test you. Um, so. This is the first year, like on some of my essays and things like that, I've seen like quotes from me that kids are using, you know, in their essays. Um, so that kind of that kind of stood out to me this year a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's been, uh, you know, this is my fifth decade that I've been part of for teaching. Right. Um, so it's changed a lot, but I really don't think kids have their world is a lot different than it used to be. But kids are kids and we just need to help them recognize that uh, and give them the support 
and strategies to help them be successful. And, uh, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a different level than you guys, but I mean, I've got former students that are grandparents um, that have kindergartners. So uh, that's a little bit different. So it impacts me that way. And I'm, I'm hoping to at some point I can figure out a way to help new teachers get a get a taste of that. Why this occupation can be so, so rewarding and why you would want to stay in it for 35 years um, when this is happening and that's happening. And there's people talking about all the doomsday stuff. And, um, you know, there's there's such important reasons why, why we're there. And I think you make your job important. You know, if you're feeling like things aren't going good, what are you, what are you going to do about it? It is your classroom. So the more I put into it, the more valuable my job gets and the more valuable those kids are. And, and I think they pick up on that. Amen to that, Lee. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, you want to find value in your job, make it valuable. You know, we have the ability to impact however many lives every day, every year. And that is, that is the greatest reward. And, and as a coach, that is absolutely what I miss most. It's, it's, this, is, this is what I miss about being in a classroom or even just a building, you know, being covering multiple buildings. It's hard to not be a part of the communities. Um, the benefit, the selfish benefit I have right now is all the students that I have taught are floating through middle school and high school. So I get to see them constantly. And as you guys were talking about this, you know, the thing that's really stuck out to me tonight is yes, we need to be vulnerable. Yes. We need to be ourselves, show the students who we are, but it's you guys are con all three of you are constantly talking about the students role in the process and how you're doing this to open up conversation. You're doing this so that you are showing students that you can listen. You will listen to them because it is about the students buying in. It's about the students being becoming part of it, not just you being super fun, super easygoing, great to listen to. And, you know, kids will feel comfortable around you, but they they need to feel as though they can buy in and be and be a part of the process. And, and as you were talking about that, Lee, um, I think it was this year, maybe it was last year, I was working with a teacher during one of their, their prep periods and a student walked in who needed to, to take a test or, or something like that. And she saw me and she lit up, you know, Hey, Mr. Arman, it's so great to see you. Um, I taught her probably six years ago and she left and the teacher turned to me and said, I have not seen a single emotion out of that child this entire year. Like, what did you do to, to spark that? And, you know, it was my relationship that I had with that student six years ago. And so, you know, I'm not saying that that teacher did anything wrong. They, it, you know, we do our best and sometimes we don't form that perfect connection with every kid, but, you know, we can't devalue that. We can't forget about the importance of that because we want students to feel something like that when they see you, you know, each day or, or years after, after you've worked with them. So this conversation has, has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time. Uh, Matt, do you want to, you want to add anything before we close down here? Yeah, I've got two questions, Ken. I don't know if you'd prefer me to ask them both. Um, but Whatever I'd love you to want, get... Matt. All right. So I'm going to launch into them. Best of luck following along. <laughs> so, you know, I'm on this call and on this podcast with three incredible educators. You know, educators that I wish my kids could have because you care about the right things and you set them up to really, you know, value education. And I know we talk a lot about the deep, hard questions, but I, 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 I kind of want to ask, you know, these two questions. So first off is, you know, I'm a new teacher. What are the safeguards that I'm creating for myself? Because sometimes we go overkill 
in the, you know, relationships and care and culture, and we don't establish ourselves enough as a subject matter expert. And so what we think is the right thing to do, we don't have the basis of, hey, you know, like I mentioned, I, I don't want to say that I'm two-faced, but I'm almost two-faced, hopefully in both positive, you know, serious to business learning in the classroom, but on, you know, when you've earned that time or in the hallway or uh, an assembly, I can be silly Mr. Rogers. So what are kind of, you know, suggestions you might have so you can find that positive and proper balance? Maybe I go there and then I'll ask the second one after. Honestly, for, for me coming from, from my thought process on it is making sure that whatever you're doing, you're being respectful to the student. So if, yes, some days you do have to be tough. And some days I'm not nearly as much fun to have as a teacher as other days. You know, I love the fact that I do get to have fun like you're talking about. But some days, yeah, hey, guys, we got work to do. You know, or when I say, I'm kind of disappointed. You know, today, today did not go real well. I'm going to, and I always put it back on me. I'm going to do my job better tomorrow because I don't think that I did what I needed to do, maybe to get directions out or whatever it is, because we seemed a little, little silly at some points or things didn't go quite the way that, you know, we, we weren't up to that Creed's crew expectation. Maybe I wasn't up to that Creed's crew expectation today and letting them know that, Hey, this is what I, I'm also responsible for this. It's not just you or it's not just, you know, whatever, but, you know, making sure that the students know that, look, I, yeah, I, I had to get a little bit louder today. Maybe I did, hey, I need everybody's attention for a minute. Okay, now you know where we're at. Now we can go back to what we were doing and letting them know where those boundaries are. But still, like I said, being respectful of, of them as as coworkers, because that's what they are. Yeah, yeah. I like what you said about, you know, telling them that I'm, I'm going to do my part to try and figure out how to make this work better. Um, but you're also kind of telling them, what are you thinking of now to make it work better too? And, and you've already set that up as we're coworkers and we're, I, I'm going to do the teaching, but kids, you got to do the learning. You got to make an effort on that. And we do, we go through the brain stuff. I mean, they know what they need to do if they really want to learn something. It isn't some magic thing that I'm going to do. So I take some time with that. But um, the other thing I thought about too is, is sometimes it's, it's, you just got to be explicit and say, you know, here's what I see happening, right? Um, here's what I need to happen. And then give them a chance. Um, you know, sometimes it's just looking at the ceiling and then you're hoping, hoping up. Oh, some kids said, hey, guys, be quiet. You know, um, sometimes that's what it is. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, it's it's again, what's happening that day and what's the group that you're working with. Uh, as far as being explicit with directions, I drive the bus. So uh, I took my college kids up to a World War Two museum. Uh, and it was a couple hours away. And, you know, and, uh, it was an awesome field trip. They're reading all the light we cannot see. And it helped them connect with a lot of stuff that that novel set in World War II. And, but I couldn't take all three of my senior classes up there. It was just a college class. So they're like, well, blah. so we want to, went on a field trip around town. And I said, yeah, well, let's figure it out. And we made an itinerary and they want to stop at Godfather's Pizza for, for lunch. So we come in there and they all line up and look at me. I'm like, I'm not paying for you guys' lunch. Well, you invited us. All right give me six pizzas and give me, I mean, so, uh, it was the truth. I, I, I invited them. I never told them they had to bring money. And so I got to buy them all lunch. And, uh, um, that was a pretty good lesson for me. It was good pizza too. So we're all right. 
I just want to I just want to add one thing real quick, Matt. Um, I'm not going to go through a long answer, but the thing that sticks out for me is is being explicit, like you said, and, and both of you said, you know, just being very direct of what you expect, what you're looking for, what you're seeing, what you're not seeing. And for those of you that kind of picked up on that subtlety, listen to show 12 when Lee says he drives the bus. He literally drives the bus. So listen to show 12 and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Lee's Lee's school requirements are unbelievable. Well, <laughs> opportunities maybe. So the the second question that I have, and um, this actually stems from uh, once we were off the air with Creed. I know I asked you um, afterwards. You know how you interact with coworkers. You know we're really striving for a dynamic experience for kids, and. We don't necessarily get to choose our coworkers, and we don't necessarily teach the same way that they do. So, how do you guys and Lee? You might be a little different since you're a subject specific. Um, whereas, you know, oh, I got my Creed, that's who I wanted, or I got Mr. Ehrman, or oh, I got you know the same person my mom had. Oh goodness, I was really hoping for. And I've noticed um, I'm really close with my my coworker. But that was a, it's a lot of purpose and effort on my end to almost create equality there. So how do you guys navigate coworker relations when you have such a different expectation of how your classroom runs that, you know, those coworkers don't feel comfortable pulling into their classroom? You know, if Creed, if you're, if you're genuinely saying fishbowl, I'm up against the window you know, one to see about that class, that's got to create some discomfort with, with coworkers. Yeah. The, uh, um, I've said this a couple times in a couple different, um, uh, scenarios, but, um, I always say everybody's entitled to an opinion and some people are just plain entitled and some opinions are not qualified. So, you know, again, for me, what matters to me is my students. And I don't think that somebody has to agree with how I'm doing stuff to see that my students are the most important thing to me. And I'm sorry, but I'm pretty busy. And if I have some extra time or effort to make, it's going to go for my students. It's not going to be trying to trying to accommodate somebody's preferences that isn't coming in to help me in my classroom. Um, that's taken away from my students. And that doesn't mean I don't care about my coworkers. It just means that I care 100% about my students. And if, if somebody's willing to listen to me and, and be open to that, that's great. If, if they uh, want me to jump through some hoops to prove something, I got better things to do. Uh, and I, I think the high school is a little different. My wife's a fifth grade teacher. I know that her her grade level that she works with is really important to her. And, and I get that. Um, but uh, what, what I'm trying to do with these high schoolers is I'm trying to take care of them. And I can't take care of a coworker's feelings. And I know that sounds harsh, but my, my students are what matter. Um, and if somebody wants to question that, that's that's probably not a qualified opinion. Lee, I, that's exactly the permission I was kind of hoping you would bring up. Um, Creed, I know you can kind of speak to that as well. Sure. And I mean, honestly, when it comes, like you talked about the fishbowl thing. Yeah. Sometimes you do have those awkward conversations when you're sitting at the, the in the faculty room, which I don't spend a whole lot of time in because I'm busy doing things for my students. But when I am in there and you get those awkward moments of, wait, what are you doing? Oh, we're doing this thing because you know, I, I, I know what my standards are. You know, I know what my goals are for the end of the year. So 
we're doing this because I feel like it's going to fit my students best. And maybe it is a, a something for team building. Maybe it is a STEM challenge. Maybe it is one of my lit activities or whatever it is. But I've got, I can put my finger in it and say, here's why I did this. And here's my reason for it. And yeah, it looks different. And I even tell my students, yeah, we're doing the same thing as the people down the hall. It just looks really different. So maybe it, it does involve more technology or maybe it does involve things happening in the classroom that just look a lot different. We're standing instead of sitting, we're moving around the classroom, we're doing those things. But to me, then like how Lee said, it's all about those students. My job is to teach those students. My job is to work with them and to improve their, their reading, their math, their, their social skills, all those different things. So whatever I feel like I'm doing, it's for them. And I can, if an administrator walks in and says, wait, where where's math happening today oh no we skipped that because of you know this kid's cat died and we need to talk about you know we need to comfort them yeah we're going to do that today and if you have a problem with it here's my reason for it and, and so so when we're looking at that and we're we're seeing those types of things like like lee said i i don't have it's again it's not that i'm not going to be you know helpful and friendly and if somebody comes in and says hey i saw you're doing this do you have a, an idea you know how could i do that maybe in my class Sure. Awesome. Great. But if I see something that's going on and I go, that's not worthwhile to my students. Like I get it's something that we've done for a thousand years in this building. To me, that's not worthwhile. Where, what's the end game there? Just to say that we did it? No, that's not, that's not what I'm doing. So here's what I'm doing instead. So always striving to, to help those students and to improve them. That's who I work for. That's who I work with. So so the other the other business next door, the other class next door is a business. They their employees, their customers are the the students in front of them. My my customers, my my coworkers are different. When you when you work at you mentioned this Lee, when you work in a team team dynamic, which you'll typically see in elementary and even a lot of middle school structures are pretty much the same where it's they're grade level specific and, and working in those bands. I think it is important to recognize that and to try to, you know, be as collaborative as possible. And I'm not saying that anyone here isn't being collaborative. Um, and, and what I found is, you know, when I, when I first started teaching, I did things a lot different and I had grade level partners that I worked extremely well with. I, I had great relationships with all my grade level partners and there were times where, you know, we knew we did things different and we did things different and, and that was totally OK. But when we did grade level wide activities, we were all on the same page and we made sure that it was we legitimately were and the students saw that. But when you start to work with people that you can grow from and they can grow from you, it really creates a, a great growth opportunity for everyone involved. There's so much that I was not great at as a teacher that I really learned a lot from my grade level partners, especially my last two grade level partners that I was with for a couple of years. And there are things that I know they learned from me because they saw what I was doing or I challenged them a little bit or they just saw that my students loved it and they wanted their students to have that same experience. So one of the biggest things was before STEM was a special, I stopped doing computer lab and I started doing STEM and my kids absolutely loved it. And the kids in the other fifth grade classes were saying, hey, why can't we do that? And my grade level partners came to me and said, what do we have to do to be able to do what you're doing? And a part of it was I gave up my prep to work with them to make them feel comfortable. But they started rolling with that on their own. And they said, hey, we don't need you anymore. But that what it grew from was 
they wanted their students to have the same benefits that they were seeing my students had. And so it, it's all about what we're talking about here is when you're doing it for the students and you're making those decisions for what is best for those kids in front of you, that's where true growth and that's where great opportunity happens for those kids. And so it came from me not worrying about it, but it also came from all of us being passionate educators to do what is best is best for kids. And, and, you know, we've really hit on that hard tonight. And I think we, I think we dove into this topic a lot more, uh, a lot deeper and better than I, I really thought we were. So I think everybody's going to find a lot of benefit from this conversation. So, um, as we wrap down here, um, guys, can you please share how can our audience connect with you and how can they follow along with you via social media or any other things that you want to, you want to throw out to them? Well, I'll go first. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter, I guess. Um, so you could just, yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter, so you can just run my name there. It's STCarl5. Uh, and then uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I got a TED Talk out there. You can just Google those things and find me pretty easily. Uh, I want to throw one quick thing in there is um, sometimes the teacher's lounge can be a little hard to, to digest along with food. So uh, there was a point this year early kind of where I decided I'm going to go eat with the students. And so I stepped out of a room where I had some colleagues that were talking uh, negative about students. And it didn't take me long to, to recognize that these kids weren't complaining about teachers. They were just having lunch. Hey, right? you know, uh, and I thought that was a great example for me, uh, to keep in mind too, that, you know what, take care of stuff when you can, but, um, you know, you also got to make sure you're, you're, you're taking care of yourself. You got to make sure that you're, you're presenting to people. If somebody's listening to you, what are they thinking? Um, so it's, that's been a good thing along with getting to know some kids, one of those kids, they had a fire, their house burned down. So, there I was getting to have lunch with somebody who, who kind of was going through a rough time after that. Right. And helping, uh, helping that person talk about stuff and think through stuff and see how we could help. So you don't have to do it every day, but maybe go eat lunch with the kids if you don't do that. Um, and so my social media accounts um, is for Twitter. We are Creed underscore crew. Um, I've said before when I first had Twitter, I had Creed's crew all in one word, but if you read it fast enough, it says Creed screw. And you get a very different uh, clientele that follows you. So uh, Creed's underscore crew. Um, I am on Facebook as well, like Creed. Uh, and the, the farm page were hollyharvestfarm.com. And we've got all that information up there. So yeah, looking for looking for something. That's where we are. All right. So uh, mine is uh, through Twitter. EdTechNeighbor is the one that I go by uh, most conveniently. So feel free to reach out. And Ken? Absolutely. I am at Ken Ehrman. Very simple. The spelling of my name. Uh, and as well for our podcast here, everything is at PowerEDUUp. Our website is PowerEDUUp.com. And for all of our details, all the guys' uh, social media handles, I'll, I'll find uh, Lee's TED Talk. I'll find Creed's videos of pigs and chickens. And we'll link all of that up on our show notes page, which can be found at poweredu.up.com slash show 81. So thank you guys so much. I think this is a great conversation around the idea of classroom community, starting on day one and hitting it hard each and every day after that. And, you know, keeping it as a, as a big part of your classroom through your actions, through the way you're designing your classroom activities and just the way you carry yourselves on a daily basis. So I said this when you were with me last time, but, you know, your school, your community, and most importantly, your students are extremely lucky to have the both of you 
as a part of their educational career. And I, and I know that you are, you're changing their lives permanently for the way that you, you interact and you support them on a daily basis. So thanks again. And Matt, why don't you sign us on out of here? All right. As we power down this episode, Lee, Mike, you crushed it. Uh, reiterating one more time, I think we'd all agree. Every moment that you spend building culture, you will be paid back tenfold. So be well and uh, get amped because you're going to make a difference this year. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on YouTube. Each week we get to talk to amazing educators who are making a positive impact on the lives of students, their colleagues, administrators, and education as a whole. It's been such a privilege every week to be able to talk to these incredible individuals, learn from them, grow with them, and better myself and all of education through these conversations. If you haven't already, please consider sharing this with a colleague, someone who can benefit and be powered up from the experience of listening to these incredible conversations. Because of Powered Up, we are powering education by empowering you.